Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3 is our, is our text for this morning. We'll begin reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and then we'll read through chapter 6, verse 4. This also is God's holy word. <clears throat> Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. <clears throat> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that she might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Maybe go to our God and ask for his blessings on the reading and also the preaching of his holy word. <clears throat> our loving Father, we thank you for you are the one who has given us parents, earthly parents. And Father, we, we give you thanks for them that... Uh, some of them are believers and some are not. And Father, by your common grace, even unbelieving parents can be good parents. Father, we thank you for those who are believing, for those who have prayed for us long, who have directed us and modeled the gospel for us. Father, we pray for even little children here that they would heed this word, this commandment of yours to obey their parents, to show them due honor. Father, help us to see how important it is that we obey you. And in obeying you, we must obey our parents. We must honor them. Father, we thank you for Christ's perfect example for us, that he was one who showed obedience and honor even to his earthly parents who were sinners. He also showed perfect obedience to you. And we thank you, Father, for his righteousness that is ours by faith. Father, may we trust in you. May the good news of the gospel go forward with power even this day. And Father, transform our lives that we would be those who submit ourselves to your authority. And we pray, Father, that your servant would be humbled and that your, your son, Jesus Christ, would be exalted. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Here we, we think about uh, the... The domino effect of life, how there are certain things that go wrong and the wrong continues down a certain path. 
and we think about the very simple matter of the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, that this is not something that any of us children, meaning little children, uh, toddlers, uh, young children, to grown children, older children, gray-haired children, there's, these are not things that any child, meaning someone who's born of a woman, has parents, uh, it's not something that we can neglect and ignore. That is true for every one of us, even as uh, those, uh, you think about the term child, it's, it's not referring to someone who's young in age, it's someone who is, has parents, and that we all must show due honor to parents that this is important for our Christian life. It's important for society. It's important within the church. And it's important in our obedience to God. That so much is tied with this, especially for little children. If they begin the pattern of disobedience and dishonor to parents, what you will have then will be a pattern of dishonor and disobedience within the workplace, within the school, within society. Oftentimes, we don't see that connection between the, the disobedience within the home and then a life of crime and of violence. And oftentimes, we, we look at the wrong, uh, the wrong source and say that's the problem, when really, the, the general pattern of life is if someone disobeys their parents, they will eventually disobey all kinds of authority and live a life of violence. Here, we think about how this passage fits into uh, what we've been studying in Ephesians. That it all goes back to Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That the Apostle Paul, he addresses the various ways of submission. He speaks about how society as a whole must be redeemed. That the effect of the gospel transforms a person. It, it transforms relationships. It transforms a marriage. Transforms a, a family and a household. That even as we obey the Lord, that this is part of our witness to those that are nearest to us. So we'll see in this passage, children, God commands you to obey and honor your parents, promising you his blessings for doing so. Children, God commands you to obey and honor your parents, promising you his blessings for doing so. We'll look at this in two points. The first is the command to children in the Lord, and second, the promise for children in the Lord. <clears throat> so the first point, the, uh, the command to children in the Lord. <clears throat> Here in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here, the Apostle Paul addresses the whole gamut of relationships, beginning with wives and husbands. He, he starts with the fundamental. That in, before he addresses that of parents or a family, he addresses that of husband and wife. And then he goes to children and next to parents. Here, when God redeemed sinners... He seeks to redeem the relationships that the sinner has. In doing so, God even uses that as a means of redeeming those other sinners. You think, for example, about a Christian wife. That oftentimes it was the case uh, back then and even now that a woman is converted in her adulthood. Uh, a woman who is married and has children, she is converted. Uh, 
This was the case for my own mother. She was a grown woman who had, was married and had children. She was converted. And then you think about how God desires to redeem not individuals, but households. So the proper witness to her husband was submitting to her husband. And that this was the means used that God, uh, means that God chose to use for the husband to say, wow, this woman is no longer the same, a submissive wife. Here, you look around in your own life, and we must ask ourselves, you must ask yourself, what relationships in your life are in need of God's redeeming power to heal and to repair? Here we think about our godly witness. I'm not saying that this is the only means, because here uh, estranged parents or estranged children or estranged siblings, estranged friends, whatever's the case, God can use means to redeem them, other means other than you and me. But if it's the case that we pray for them, we desire uh, that there would be a, a positive relationship, positive influence, can we see that God often uses the redeeming of a relationship, a restoring of a relationship as part of that first step for a gospel witness. Here we think also about this historic context. We think about what Paul is writing to in Ephesus. We think about uh, how the first century Roman culture would have been front and center during this time. You had the Greeks, you had the Romans. You think about how in, in Roman culture, how powerful and how patriarchal this family was. <clears throat> we think about a Roman father, that during that time, a Roman father could legally kill his own child without penalty. The authority understood in that culture was so strong that a father could take his life, take his son's life, take his daughter's life, and he would not be penalized. You think also about the drastic effect he would have on his children because a Roman father could literally sell his son or daughter into slavery. If he chose to, he could just sell them to pay a debt or because he felt like it. This was something that a Roman father had the right to do, sell his children into slavery. You think about a child's duties to his father. In the Roman culture, his duty did not end when he left the house, did not end when he entered adulthood. Here, you think about the obedience required then in that culture, in that society. That is, a son or a daughter owed due obedience to his father until his father's death. death. Meaning that until he died, he was bound to obey his father. You think about the, the good news of the gospel and the effect of Christianity that Genesis 2.24, that a man shall leave his father and mother. There is a sense in which there is a parting of ways, but that honor must always be there. Here, we think about how the general pattern of training of children, that in, in certain cultures you have a lot of freedom uh, for infants and toddlers. You do, let them do whatever they want, and as they get older, then there's more and more restrictions. That's not a good pattern to follow. It should be the opposite. There should be a lot of restrictions uh, when they're young. And as they demonstrate wisdom, as they demonstrate responsibility and trustworthiness, that there's more freedom given to them. You think about how eventually uh, a, a child leaves the home. They, they get married. And they leave the home. And you would think at, the, at, that, at that point, the, the commands for children 
uh, in the home as they get older should become less and less because there should be a self-governing nature to people as they mature. So because the commands are less, then the obedience is less. And here we think about leaving the home, that uh, honor is still required of children. We must always honor our parents regardless of what age. And for that honor, you think about how uh, for, for aging parents, uh, here I see that's true for a number of us, having recently <clears throat> gone through it or uh, about to go through it, the loss, the caring for aging parents uh, as, they, as they prepare for death, that um, this is part of our responsibility to them, caring for them uh, when, when they get older. And we think about our own cultural context and how the fifth commandment uh, affects us. We talked earlier in this series about the decay of marriage and the decay of the nuclear family, that these, uh, these are not random occurrences, that you think about, you think about uh, a, a crime committed. And we, uh, we often ask, well, was this planned or was this a random occurrence? Well, the decay of marriage and the, the decay of the nuclear family is not a random occurrence. This is Satan attacking our culture, attacking our society, attacking the church. Here, there are so many <clears throat> who are ready to claim that the Bible is both archaic and false. But how uncannily true the Bible is about man's fall, man's condition, the thoughts, the evil thoughts of men. You think even in the end of Romans chapter 1 that there was an account there of God giving man over to his depraved mind. And in that list, among them was included disobedient to parents. Here, we think about how <clears throat> being untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful as wicked man is. He also redefines all of those things. He, ref he redefines and claims love. Love is love. Love is not what God has told us. You, you think about even in parenting. People will say, I've heard this before. I'm not going to spank my children. I'm going to love them. Well, wait a minute. God, God addressed that principle. Is that if you're not disciplining them, which involves the rod, then you're not loving them. You're actually hating them. They redefine love. They redefine justice. They redefine mercy. All of these things. Man, of course, is going to say, God, you're wrong. We have righteousness and truth and justice all on our own. And you see what the world does with it. It destroys it. All of those things. Rejection of God comes with a rejection of all of those traits. You see also, similarly, disobedient to parents was found in the list of sins in 2 Timothy chapter 3. When it speaks about difficult times that will come in the last days. But there's no coincidence that disobedient to parents is part of the beginning. And that with it comes all matter of wickedness. Is there any surprise that <clears throat> among the friends that we have, those who work in the public school system, uh, that men and women speak about being assaulted regularly by students and there being no repercussions for those activities? What about the viral videos of, of passengers on airplanes who have, have not... They have not submitted to the instructions of uh, the pilot and or the flight attendants uh, that they're there primarily 
for the safety of the passengers and the crew. They, they weren't listening, they weren't obeying, and eventually the airport police comes and has to drag them out of the plane. That, that these things are, are, are not, hey, why is this happening? Well, what, what, why did this person have to be treated this way? Well, the question is, why didn't they obey? Here, we ought to understand that there is a pattern of disobedience and a pattern of that manifested even in our own culture. Here we think about the command proper. Obey your parents. There in, in verse 1. Children, obey your parents. <clears throat> Here, this is not only the dad, but the mom also. Or it's not only the mom, but the dad also. It's to both of your parents. If you have two parents, then it's both your parents. Disobeying your mother is to disobey your father. Meaning that any time the mom gives a command, and if the children don't obey, the father should see that as, hey, you're disobeying me, because she speaks. She is my mouthpiece when I'm not there. That the father should see that as, as a rejection of his own authority. Here, we think about how what this obedience means. It means to listen to their warnings. It means to do what they command. We think about the next verse, verse 2. Honor your father and mother. <clears throat> so there's two parts. There's obedience and there's honor. We spoke earlier about how this obedience uh, tends to be reduced not because uh, we're less obedient, but it tends to be reduced because there's less commands being given as children get older. There's less, there should be less need for it as, as there's self-control, as there's self-discipline, that the, the need for instruction and commands becomes less. Here, we think about how honor involves your attitude and your heart. And it's not as if obedience is only outward. It's not. But here, it makes it clear obedience. We think about actions and words. But honor necessarily involves our attitude and our hearts. True obedience, of course, begins in the heart. And God is never interested merely in outward behaviors. Here we see also the phrase, in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Here, children... Your obedience and honor to your parents is your expression of your obedience to God. If you and I are going to obey God, we must be honoring and obeying our parents. Here he also says, for this is right. This is right because God commanded it. God commanded that we would honor and obey our parents. Societies as a whole also expects it. It is the right thing to do. Children, have you ever thought? Have you ever thought that your obedience to your parents, your proper honoring of them, that this is part of your own Christian witness to others in your school, in your community? That when when you interact with your parents and your friends, your neighbors, your classmates, see how you speak about your parents, that that's part of your witness to them. Because they, they should be able to say, wow, you speak to your mom, you speak to your dad in such a way that it seems like you actually love them, you actually respect them. Well, yes, I do. God has given me great parents. 
And I should be thankful for them. I should respect them. I should honor them because he commands it. And even if he didn't, it is, it is still required of me. This is part of our witness to a world that's involved in sin and the fallenness of Adam and Eve. Here, you think about the specific recipients. It seems as if the Apostle Paul is going through the list. So he's, he's talking about wives and their submission. And then he talks about the duty of husbands. He talks about children and then the duty of fathers. And then he talks about servants that are in the home. So he's addressing a house setting. And, and here we think about how uh, it seems as if he's addressing children in the home, particularly children who are still dependents, children who are still young. And that the expectation is that there is obedience that little children owe to their parents. Uh, the command, Genesis 2, 2 24, that, that children as they grow up, that they would eventually be self-sufficient, that they would marry uh, and, and be given in marriage, and that they would leave the home. And that they would always honor their parents, but obedience is more limited because the commands are limited. And as, as they go out of their home, right, you would think that uh, we as adults would have a relationship with our children where, where we would be able to interact with them in ways that are no longer of you shall do this, right? Son, I need your help, right? Hey, can you help me with this? That they, they wouldn't be commands anymore. This, this is how we, we see relationships and how they ought to be. We think also about the, the breadth of the fifth commandment. The heart of the fifth commandment is not about our relations simply to biological or adoptive parents. Uh, rather, it addresses proper submission to all authority in your life and mine. Romans 13, 1 to 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Here, God is the one who possesses all authority. And if there's anyone in authority, however small, because we believe in a sovereign God, that person has been put there by God. Whether it be uh, your parents, uh, whether it be our governor, whether it be uh, your boss in your workplace, whether the, the elders of the church, they're all put there by God. And a, a rebellion and a disrespect to authority is inevitably a disrespect and a rebellion against God. Here, he says also, Romans thirteen seven, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Here, the Apostle Paul is writing this within the context uh, where these, these Roman Caesars, uh, they were despots. They were using Christians as human torches to light the path. And you think about how he's saying, hey, you must honor them. You must honor even those who slay your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about how easy it is to oppose this command. The heart of sin is rebellion against God. It's rebellion against divine authority. And if, if we were going to rebel against divine authority, then it seems like it's a rather small thing to rebel against human authority. You think about the, the, the sinful nature and your desires. 
to seek to justify rebellion against all authority, uh, every one of which are established by God. And the most basic and essential authority being parental authority. That's the first authority that little children must come to understand. Here, I, I think even I think even about uh, uh, relationships that, that I've seen in the past. Uh, Melissa has mentioned she had a friend in, in her school uh, school days who uh, who would call her father old geezer or or worse, and how she basically got everything she wanted, and she died at the age of 25 of a drug overdose. That's, that's not coincidental. Here we think about. Lack of honor, lack of obedience to our parents. What does the record show for those who do not honor and obey their parents? Obedience, uh, obedience and honor towards God is called into question then. So you think about the matter, proper submission. If we're not honoring and obeying our, our parents, can there be uh, a proper submission and honor to in, in any sphere of life? I've had other pastors talk about how um, mothers of sons would come and say, Pastor, you need to help me with my son. And I say, yeah, what's the issue? Is well, uh, you, you, need to help him, uh, you need to help him keep his job. And as, as he was talking to them, right, he figured out, well, it seems like there is a pattern of rebellion, that there wasn't authority established within the home, right? That, here, you, you and your husband have let him... Uh, basically run amok within your home and within your family. And, and so he's doing that within uh, his workplace. And then he ends up assaulting his boss, right? And then later on goes to prison. That these are, these are patterns that we see. Here we think also about uh, the ways that children love to find exceptions. Is it the case that children <clears throat> suddenly become Ivy League trained lawyers, that they're very good, that we're all very good at finding exceptions. Well, mom and dad are wrong. Well, do I need to obey when they're wrong? Well, hey, we have the general rule that, uh, that your parents should not be uh, commanding you to sin, and that if they are, you ought to tell them. And if they don't listen to you, then tell it to the elders of the church. But is that the case that generally they're not doing that? that you may not agree. You may not agree with what they tell you to do. That it's time to go to bed. I, I don't feel like going to bed. Well, that doesn't matter. Your feelings really have nothing to do with it. That this idea of honor means from the heart. You better feel like it. Young man, young woman, you better do it. Here we, we think also about the way that children are very good at obeying the letter of the command rather than the spirit, just as your parents are. We are too. God commands it. We do the outward and not the spirit of what is commanded. Here, a very simple example. Mom tells the children, hey, listen, no playing ball in the house. Oh, mom said no playing ball in the house. So that means I can play with other things. I can play catch with my brother and sister with my shoes. Or I can throw around the stuffed animals or throw the vases around the house. And they fall, they break. Okay? Mom said no playing ball, so I'm playing with other things. You see, this is following the letter, but not the spirit of the command. Here, we think also of the perfect example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who 
is the eternal son to the father, but he also uh, is an earthly son to his earthly parents. You think about the, the beginnings uh, of John, John chapter 2, the account of Jesus' first miracle, that um, here we had a, a very difficult situation, a, a social faux pas. There was a wedding, and they ran out of wine. So Mary, Jesus' mother, comes to him. He says to his son, Jesus, they're out of wine. <laughs> and, and he responds back, woman, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come, right? So, so then she pulls rank and file, tells the servants, hey, listen, whatever he tells you to do, do it. What does Jesus do? He obeys his mother, right? He, he tells her, and then the servants come, and he tells them, fill, fill these jars with water, and he turns them into the fine wine. This is Jesus submitting to his mother. Here, you think also about Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. He's literally hanging on the cross. His words were few. His words were chosen. And John 19, he's thinking, who's going to take care of my mother? There is the disciple whom he loved, John. He says, John, behold your mother. He says to his mother, behold your son. Here, here is Jesus fulfilling his responsibility as a son. He was supposed to take care of his mother in his old age. He's leaving. And he says to John, hey, take care of her. And, and it, we're told that he went into her home at that point. His, his responsibility was to take care of Jesus' mother. And we think also of Jesus' submission to the Heavenly Father. Philippians chapter 2, that he obeyed even to the point of death, even death on the cross. Here, we think about Jesus demonstrating how he was humble and obedient to the Father, obedient to his earthly parents even. So that's the first point, the command to children in the Lord. With the second point, the promise for children in the Lord. <clears throat> Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here, we have the promise stated that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So we have this two parts to this promise, that it may be well with you. And we think about how, in general, with people, don't we all desire to be well? Don't we all desire for good to come to us? That uh, we... We generally would say, everyone seeks God's blessing. We just don't want to do what he commands us to do. We want his blessing. The nature of sin is that it constantly asserts that God's way robs us of joy and robs us of good. So we seek other ways to obtain it. This is what Satan promises. Hey, God has told you one way. Well, you have greater joy, greater happiness, greater wealth, greater success if you do it anything but God's way. And here you think about the, the words to Adam and Eve in the garden and then the fall. And it seems like we've been believing him ever since. But we ask ourselves, who controls every good and blessing that comes your way? Is it not the Lord? He controls all of that. The simple question about faith. Will you believe God at his word? 
Will you believe God at his word? When God says it, we ought to obey it. We ought to believe it. We ought to trust his promises. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. That we ought to trust him. Well, the way I see it, it's better if I do this. Well, what has God commanded? He has commanded me to do otherwise. Well, we better do exactly as he says. If we want good to come our way, if we want it to be well with us, we should be listening to the Lord. And oftentimes, most of the time, that means listening to your parents. And I ask, are we going to go wrong by listening to our parents? God commands it. Here, the second part. Oh, sorry. There's many things that we judge. You know what? The way I see it, we ought not to do this. We ought to do that. You think about the warnings of Proverbs 14.12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. That is the path of disobedience, ultimately. That God has given us his way, and there's another way that seems right to us, but ultimately it ends in death. We ought not to follow it. When you think about how that it may be well with you, well then, let's obey the Lord and trust in him. We have the second part to this promise, that you may live long in the land. Notice that the Apostle Paul, he does some type of reinterpretation of Exodus 20, so the, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the context of that is that Israel had left Egypt out of the house of slavery, out of the house of bondage, and he was bringing them into the promised land. So the Ten Commandments were given, and it had to do, and that, that promise was tied to the land that they were about to receive. Here, you see the Apostle Paul, he reinterprets this. And he reinterprets it in light of the Old Testament types and shadows. That, that there's, there's not a, a land that we are entering, uh, per se, where we think about the land was symbolic also of heaven. We'll get to that. But here, uh, we, we ought to see this as some pattern in which we ought to interpret the Old Testament. Uh, that there are types and shadows. We see the fulfillment of those things. Here, we think also of the question. This question often comes up. This, the rule of obedience and honor of parents and the resulting long life that's supposed to come, is that an absolute rule? Well, the answer is no. It's not an absolute rule. There are, there are always exceptions to that rule. That the first conclusion we ought to come to uh, should not be, well, if the person died young, they must have been disobedient. It's not always the case, right? Here we think about some of the famous people of the past, uh, faithful to the Lord, that some of them died young because they were martyred. And that's, that's not disobedience, that's being obedient unto death. Here, we think also of the general principles that we see. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. So that's the very principle that's being described, that if we're into the pattern of disobeying our parents, that that is a hard path to live. That is a difficult path. 
And he who lacks that discipline, lacks that self-control, that ultimately there is a shortness to life to it. Bad life choices. We ought not to think, in other words, we ought not to think that you and I can contain rebellion to one little area. That the fences are so weak that, oh, I'm going to rebel and, and disobey my parents, but I can submit to an honor and, dis- and, 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 and show due respect to my bosses and my teachers and other people in life. No, rebellion has the way of transgression. It breaks through barriers, fences, and the like. A life of sin, rebellion, violence, crime will cut your life short, and there is no need to test that. Here, we think about the instruction that our Heavenly Father gives us. Ultimately, children, we must listen and obey Him. We must listen and obey Him, and we must obey Him because it is God who speaks His word to us. And he speaks and he says we must obey our parents. We must honor them. So that when we disobey our parents, we're disobeying God. So obeying him, he has diagnosed our condition. That God's diagnosis must be perfect because he is always right. He is holy. He is true. He is just. When he diagnoses our condition is that we are in rebellion against him. And our condition is desperate, that we are dead in trespasses and sins, that we ought to believe that. We ought to trust in Jesus Christ, that God's appointed solution to your problem of sin, that our Lord Jesus, he, his sacrifice is sufficient, and his righteousness is perfect. It's exactly what God requires, that you are called to believe upon Jesus, that you may live, not just long life here, but that you may live and have eternal life. This is trusting in him. You think about how Jesus, who obeyed his parents, Joseph and Mary, and his heavenly father perfectly, that he is the sacrifice for those of us who have not obeyed our parents perfectly. And all the other sins we've committed, he died on the cross in our place. He pays the price for your sins and mine. Here we think about how, how this passage can be of good use and instruction to us. It's a reminder to us that we ought to give thanks to the Lord for the parents that he has given you and for the authority in your life. At times, this may mean that we're going to give thanks for the parents that we have already lost. It's far better that we give thanks for the parents that we have For some of you, even as you're caring for aging parents, parents with illness, parents with disease, uh, sometimes the Lord uses those to take them and sometimes he prolongs their life. We ought to give thanks in those situations when their life is prolonged. Uh, But here, we also think we can give gratitude, show gratitude to God even for parents uh, that are no longer with us. Children, It's a reminder to you that you ought to pray for your parents, that they will be godly examples to you, and that you ought to obey and honor them in such a way that their role as parents will be a joy and not a curse. You ought to to be quick to obey, that delayed obedience ultimately becomes disobedience, that we ought to 
We are to obey them. We are to honor them in such a way that they would delight to be parents. Here, you also ought to give due honor and obedience to your parents, remembering that God promises you great blessing for doing so, and that God's word is always true. There is not great blessing in disobeying your parents. There is great blessing in obeying and honoring them. May we go to our God together in prayer. Our Lord God, we thank you, Father, 